Hello. Welcome. This is a conversation about Truth and Spectacle. I'm Ivan Pulse, Creative Director and Co-Founder of Truth and Spectacle. And I'm Alex Mecklenburg, the other co-founder of Truth and Spectacle and a creative coach. Alex and I have been thinking about what makes a company creative. Is it that they hire designers or copywriters, or that they bring a production company in-house, or they only work with the best makers in the world? Is it that they can code? Are they agile? Do they use design thinking, or do they play at work? Is it culture, process, learned, or simply innate? So Alex, what is creativity to you? Creativity at its super basic level, if you want to get an analytic answer from me, is very much to take existing things and suddenly see an opportunity to connect them together in a completely new way. Um, that's probably one really simple articulation of creativity. Uh, I think Maria Popova, who is the author of Brain Pickings, she, she calls creativity a combinational force. So it's this ability to tap into our inner pool of resources. Being resourceful is one way of articulating creativity that I feel very comfortable with. It's a nice broad definition of, of what creativity can be then. It's not just about paints and words. It's also about as you put it, making combinations of things that either haven't been done before or, or can be done to solve a problem that you have today. Yes, and I think there is um, there's new language coming up, I think especially following COVID-19, where creativity is often connected with the word reimagining, rebuilding. And that's an interesting one. People seem to be more comfortable with a word like problem solving, finding new solutions to old problems um, or rebuilding then creativity. I agree with you. Creativity can be a very loaded word. It can be a loaded complement. And I think also it's a word that is really big. So I've seen people really struggle with self-identifying of being creative because they felt the word was just too big for their own understanding and ambition. Yeah, or it's just been applied as a label to a certain kind of person. That if you're an engineering type person, then you are not creative. And um, the person who draws, works in, works in advertising, or is always making logos, or you know maybe codes might be creative. I can think of a few coders who don't think of themselves as creative at all, though. However, the action of what they're doing is exactly the same. Blank piece of paper, blank screen, you fill it with things that come out of your head. I mean, for me, creativity is, is a broad church. Uh, it covers everything from fine art to you know, doing something decent with your dinner tonight. I think the fact that there has been for years this narrative that creativity is a gift hasn't helped. Because I think we've lived in a society where things that had to be studied, things that had to be unfolded, things that had to be built, you know, with all your sweat and focus were things that we valued. And there was that weird narrative, well, creativity is a gift, you know, you either have it or not, the creative genius. And I think that, was stu that stood really in the way of 
people going, this is actually a skill. Well, it's the leap of logic that I think throws a lot of people. An idea can seem like it comes out of nowhere. But there's a real methodology in order to make a connection between two things that are seemingly unrelated, but make a point that will help explain a product or explain a business. And so that can't be madness. It can't just be this thing that you're born with and an innate gift to do this stuff. And when I started my career, I was really bad at ideas. I could make things, really good at drawing, uh, computer work, retouching, all of that stuff. But it took me a few years to learn how to do an idea. A lot of that was watching someone else make the connections and learning what they were listening for when I just, you know, kind of gave them tons of ideas. This is interesting because a very good friend of mine has this hard provocation. Uh, and, and he says, if you have ideas, but you don't act on them, you might be imaginative, but you're not creative. And I found that was true. So creativity is not just the act of combining things or having brilliant ideas, but it is also the act of turning those into reality. I think that's really where I found, I suppose, the definition of creativity quite useful in terms of you need to make something as well. Creativity is not its own end. I suppose perhaps creativity is not a thing. It is a process of things that get you to a solution or to whatever you're, you're trying to make. Yep. And I think if you think about creativity as a process, you could probably push that a step further and say, actually, creativity probably involves two processes, the thinking, the ideation, and then the producing. When you look back to kind of the way we started this chat around what is creativity in a business and how is it useful, I suppose, it's not one thing. It's not a workshop. It's not a, not a little note on your desk that reminds you to be creative. Uh, it's a whole set of steps, each one quite delicate, that gets people from um, having an idea that they hold to themselves and keep to themselves and one that they bring to the group and then one that gets executed and then one that adds value to a company to that group of people. And to go from, I have an inkling in my head to value is quite a long process. And it is a collaborative process. And I think there's another myth that was really in the way for years, which was the idea of the lone creative director or the creative genius who sits in a corner and is just, you know, intuitively creative. And I think one thing that design thinking has really brought to the table was that insight that really, as you say, if this is a process, then it is a collaborative process. And there are times where certain people in that collaboration add more value than others, but that changes throughout that whole process. Different skills are needed. Different questions are needed. Different environments are needed. Um, and I think we had to relearn that. You know, we were kind of victims of that myth of, you know, the creativity as a gift, the genius, the sole creative hero. 
it's hard to unlearn that. And I think that was one of the reasons why business was really struggling with, I don't know, accepting creativity as a skill and maybe even a core function. One thing that I try and design my teams with is a process of mushy overlapping steps. The way I like a brief to work when we get something, I don't know, make a PowerPoint presentation, for example, that you go from planning to making to publishing in a very organic way. And that as soon as you start planning, you're basically starting to make the thing. As soon as you start putting down on paper a framework for what a PowerPoint presentation might look like or a print ad or a piece of design, you are effectively starting to make. And that bleeds really nicely into the craftspeople, the kind of the specialists who then take that on because they have something to work from, but it also gives responsibility to the, to the person writing the task or writing the brief to write something and start something that is going to be good at the end of it. And it's a really interesting thing to play with. And it breaks down when our systems, things like Monday.com or, you know, it could be any like, feedback tool like Frame.io or Figma or anything like that, when you get that handoff effect, when I've done my job, now I give it to you, you do your job, and you go down the food chain like that, uh, that is a real negative, I find. It's because people down the food chain don't feel like they have agency over what they're making, and, it's, and the people who decided what to make have no sense of control or ownership over the final product. The only way to do it these days, and these things take such large teams, is to have a, a process that is designed to be as almost flowy, seamless, watery as possible, and yet maintain high momentum. And then you end up with something that is a bit unexpected, but bang on brief and everyone agrees. And I think giving space for the messiness in between um, is, I think, incredibly important. So I worked with you in the past as a creative director. I also worked with Bo Halberg and Bo always talked about the importance of chaos in the creative process. And we had some super (laughs) intensive discussions around that at that time, you know, uh, I am German, I'm super analytic. And I was at times really struggling with that moment of chaos. And Bo went, you have to trust. This is going to be okay. And I think a great creative director has that incredible ability to understand where is the chaos productive and where does the chaos start to be counterproductive? And how do I help my team? So where do I fade and move away? And where do I actually have to lean in and maybe give new input, new information, new inspiration. I was always really impressed by that. And I think traditionally, chaos is something really scary for organizations. For me, and we've talked about this before, I think every business should have a creative director. There are cool ideas coming from all over the business, whatever organization you have, that need inspiring and cajoling and testing and to stay on purpose, but it's, it is a full-time job to do that. And also having the argument with the other leaders who have very different mindsets. 
you know, you, you see the world quite differently and are not wrong, but without someone defending that space, you lack something, I think, in an organization or a group of people. You miss some of the magic and the opportunity to do something spectacular, which, which it feels like a lot of people need right now, just in terms of keeping their you know, businesses going or for their own sanity. You know, one thing that has happened in lockdown is people are being much more gentle with themselves, making it clear that they're not comfortable in highly aggressive, ultra macho environments where you're fighting all the time to be heard. We've lost a lot of really good voices. If you didn't make sure that people heard you and that you fought for your idea to get to the top, then it was gone. And I think that's something that has really changed in the world of creativity, for me at least, is the need to listen and to open up this amazing skill that many people have, I suppose, open it up to be heard. Like, how are they expressing themselves? And if it's a whisper, how do creative directors or creative consultants or marketing directors or chief technology officers actually hear it? when you've been kind of trained up into this world of chaos. Yeah. And you could, you know, probably use a word like empathy as one of the ways that I think was probably not a core word when we started our career. You know, I don't think a lot of creative leaders had empathy. They didn't really practice active listening. <laughs> they were far too busy listening to their own voices and being smitten by their own voices. Um, so I, I do think that there's something really exciting starting to emerge around creativity in organizations and how can you have chaos and tension without losing safety, empathy, and kind of shared belief. Understanding each other, the shared understanding, being surprised by the person next to you uh, because you actually bothered to listen to their idea and then, and then having them not feel so um, vulnerable that they wouldn't let you build on their idea. And that's, that's quite a lot of, it's a, it's a much more emotional game. I think one of the wonderful moments that I have when I run workshops, which seems to be one of the prevailing ways of teams interacting with each other at the moment in those wonderful times of Zoom, is the sheer delight of people listening to somebody else or looking at somebody else's output and go, wow, I had never thought about that. Or look at that. I thought completely different about that. And I think that is a moment. This is where, you know, when you talk about concepts like deep democracy and deep democracy, meaning, you know, all voices being heard. And also you're open to listen to all of the voices, which is a difference to just hearing them. Is to introduce delight into that and excitement and new creative power. So you're not just hearing the voices, but you're completely blown away by the way that they speak and what they speak. And I find that amazing. And I've had these moments a couple of times over the last couple of weeks where people went, wow, you know, they drew together. 
And at the beginning, it happened what always happens. Oh, I can't draw. Oh, I can't do that. And I go, I don't care. You will draw now. I'm going to pull my power as the moderator. And suddenly you get these brilliant, beautiful, charming little stick people or something completely different. So making it more exciting, making it actually more creative is something that we maybe lost a little bit in all the process. Perhaps that's what creativity is now. It's, uh, it, it's a journey and you can actually enjoy it with a whole bunch of people and be surprised every day. Which is great. Surprise, I think, is a beautiful word because one thing that I am often benevolently challenging in traditional design processes is the lack of surprise. You know, yeah, you say there are user needs and there are organizational needs, and all of that is true. They're completely correct. And it is not everything. You know, I feel sometimes we design ourselves out of serendipity. That is very true. You know, by putting everything into a chart and everyone does their steps, you miss the ability to connect two things together in an unexpected way. Interesting problem with that as well is if someone in your group does say, hey, I have this magic idea. I don't know where it came from. Seems right. People don't have the tools to judge it. And part of that is if you judge too quickly, you haven't gone on the, on the journey. You haven't like figured it out as well. And so giving, you know, when we come back to like the idea of Slack and very fast feedback, take, if you take more time, you will fill in the steps to how someone got to an idea and then judge whether it's any good. I think one of the most empowering things that has happened over the last couple of years is that realization that creativity can be learned and shaped and developed. And because it can be learned and shaped and developed, it starts to become more important. You know, it's, it's, it's suddenly become a skill and you explore and you develop and you take chances. I love that leap of logic. I think the thing I'm quite interested in is we have been, you know, we started a, a workshop game called Provoke. And it's a bit like chaos. You know, in the name is this idea of provocations, which are an incredibly useful tool in education. You use them with children, you use them in play. And what they do is they help you just nudge you, push you into finding connections you didn't think you were capable of doing. And it, it's quite a pushy way of helping people when I think about it. And that suits a lot of teams. I think that suits leadership teams who are trying to achieve really specific goals and they are tough and they appreciate being pressured into doing things and, and making, making strides. But then we were thinking about, are we missing something? Especially now, like with lockdown, people are, I don't think people are more sensitive. They're just telling everyone else that they are sensitive people. So looking at that, looking at ourselves, looking at thing we do and you know and work with companies on which is you know when we kind of thought about create space you know a place of safety where you can make things and express yourself in very different ways so you know you are a visual person that's great and if you are someone who wants to send an audio file that's okay as well and adjusting 
how creativity is brought to these people and how it's you know kind of how we get it out of people in teams, how we bring those teams together has been a really interesting kind of couple of weeks thinking about that. Yeah, I think what we did is we shifted the focus. We believe that done well workshops have a really transformational ability of starting to give teams new ways of doing things. And I think what we've started to see is that around creativity, provocation is one driver. And the other driver is very much about creating spaces. So I think, you know, the next iteration of the game uh, or the variation of the game, I think that is it, you know, our, our alternative game now is very much around create space. That is the core focus of it. Yeah, and it's not to say that this is not for, for softer people, I suppose. It's got nothing to do with that. I think it's about people who whisper, perhaps, or, or just not comfortable in the teams that they are usually working in to express that side of themselves. You know, to put yourself out in front of your colleagues is quite difficult. And I think, well, you know, the, the work you do every day, um, the work I do every day is actually... It's a lot more gentle than people would imagine when you talk about creativity and the chaos of ideas. And I think there's something that is something quite interesting in trying to change that paradigm. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of it in the game that we have seen is how people suddenly learn and articulate and appreciate the creativity of their colleagues. And I think that is one of those moments where the game really works is when people turn around and go, wow, that was great. And I think it works on the same level. It just works slightly different to provocations. It gives space for people to realize the creativity of their colleagues and to trust each other and to realize that your articulation of this might not be the same to mine. But together, this is pretty awesome. I very rudely asked you what creativity was at the beginning of this. And you know, I think we've had a really good discussion about it. It was interesting how we play the same tropes. And I'm glad that by the time we got all the way around, we had realized we were talking about an old way of doing creativity. And perhaps there is many more interesting new ways of doing creativity. On that note, thank you, Alex. I think that is a great way to end this conversation. You're welcome. Thank you for listening. Look after yourselves wherever you are and keep creating. If you're interested in this topic for your team, Alex and I have a new workshop. It's called Create Space. Create Space is a workshop game that's designed to help every member of your team develop their ability to think creatively about big questions and to turn their ideas to action. Visit truthandspectacle.com or check the show notes if you want to find out more. Alex and I hope you enjoyed the show. And if you have any questions or comments, you can find us at truthandspectacle.com or LinkedIn. Just search for Alexandra Mecklenburg or Ivan Pulse. Or on Instagram, look for at Truth and Spectacle. Extra thanks to Richard and Robin for their never-ending fortitude and social distancing. This was recorded in Turville and Huntingdon and has been a Truth and Spectacle production. Mm-hmm.